Welcome, friends, to The Flower of the Cedar, a novel in episodic podcast form. We are about to start the next chapter. Come, join us. Chapter 12 The Driftwood Table Lara dreamt in her fever. She was young in her dream, younger even than her fifteen winters of waking life, and she had not been fed since she could remember. Her gut within her pounded and clenched with hunger. She dreamt of standing before her parents and asking for food, but their faces did not react to her. Do they speak the same language? She wondered anxiously, trying to put her question another way. Still they looked at her in mild confusion and reticence. She was angry. How could they behold her sharp need with blank faces? She let her legs grow, jointed back like a hind's, and hooves hardened over her feet as she sprang away. Down a long, bare road she galloped, and her head, still a girl's, felt the rush of wind past her. When she saw anyone, she stopped and begged for food, but the replies she got confused her still more. You say that because your parents taught you to say it, growled one man, rough in jaw and lean. What do you mean? Lara asked. I mean seeing you're hungry, he said. Rubbish. It's caught all of it. Think, if they did it, you'd make up your own mind, you'd have come up with the same old story. Nah. If rub your brain clean, they have... She could make nothing of this. Cramping interrupted her thoughts, and all she could say in response was, Please, I'm so hungry. Get on with you, he barked, turning his back on her. She saw he wore a leather belt dark with use. He had punched extra holes to cinch it tighter over his hips. Her hind's legs bore her further, but they could not carry her away from the inward agony. It moved with her, haunted her, and spurred her. She must get food. She must. She had gone miles before she at last spied a figure, lone, sitting by the road with bowed head. It was a young man, surrounded by small parcels and satchels, some set open on the ground, others still bound shut. She noted these only briefly before honing with a pang on his mouth. It was working as though chewing something. 
breath short, she came and knelt by him. Sir, please, have you anything to eat? He looked up at her and gave a smile. Oh, yes, no end of it. Anything you like. From the east, the west, the plains and mountains. You may try it all. He handed her a pouch. Could it truly? She had swallowed the first mouthful before her tongue registered wrongness. The taste, the texture. Too gritty. She held her hand before her and saw the streaks of soil on the palm. She spat. You've given me dirt, she said. I wouldn't call it that, said the young man, affronted. This is the very earth, the womb of life, the nourishing mother. But if you don't like it, perhaps this. He handed her a rough box, which rattled faintly. She looked inside. Gravel. You must understand, it doesn't matter what you eat, so long as you truly chew and swallow it. It is the chewing, the swallowing, the confidence in ingesting, which feed us. But I can't... He squinted at her and sighed. Take this, then. The vial he held was smooth and dark. She did not raise her hand to it. Her innards chilled. What is it? She said flat. A heady brew, he said, setting it at her feet. Found it a long way from here. The only of its kind, really. Of course, it's not for everyone, but if none of the others suit you, why not dabble with it? Why do not you? She said, still not moving to take it. Well, and why not? he said. And she was surprised to hear despair within his geniality. He pulled the stopper, drained the vial. Lara began to shake, walking several steps backward, away from the young man and his load. As she turned, she saw the first of the spasms take and twist the muscles of his face. He shouted that his true swallowing would make it food, but the poison remained itself. It did what it was made to do. She ran from the body, sprinting on the haunches of a hind. Before long, another figure came into shape ahead of her. The woman heard the noise of her approach, turned, and motioned her in close. When Lara voiced her hunger, the woman smiled in a knowing way. You needn't worry on that, child, she whispered. They wouldn't like you to know, but, well, you look like a good girl, and you're young, so there may be hope for you yet. Listen. She leaned closer. You are not hungry at all. Lara confused, said, Of course I'm hungry. The woman shook her head. You're not. Likely you don't even have a stomach. You think that because they want you to. They put it about that everyone's hungry. Everyone has a stomach. So eventually enough people believed it and they could tell everyone what to do. How? 
Easy answer for that, the woman said, leaning in again. They'd threaten with starvation and promise food, you see. First, they create the illusion of need, yes, and then they use it to control you. Once you believe them, you get scared of starving and think you're hungry. They tell you what you have to do to get food. Suddenly, they're in total control. Who? Who what? Who are they, these people in control? Lara asked. The woman muttered something Lara could not quite catch. One bit sounded like three bent men, then perhaps behind many doors, and finally she finished, It doesn't matter. They're too powerful. You can't touch them. What you can do is realize for yourself how false it all is. Realize you don't need food. You can eat or not without any harm done. But, Lara said, as though she strove against a great wind, I do need food. I'm starving. I feel it. You see how deep it goes, shouted the woman. I've even thought that from time to time, but don't believe it. Get out from under their thumb. You're not hungry. You don't have a stomach. Be free of them. She paused to grip at herself, and the pale light showed a stretched, worn shirt over a ribby torso. Lara left her in growing despair that her search would ever find its object. She began shouting for food, hoping someone would hear and come to her aid, but for a long time she could see no one near. At last, a quaver of a voice answered her from a break of trees as she passed, though still she could see no one. Not so loud, the voice said. She stopped and turned toward it, searching the trees for the speaker, but the branches and foliage frustrated her efforts. Hello? Who are you? Stop shouting for food, it said. Someone might hear you. I want them to, Lara said. I am starving and I must eat. If they feed you, said the voice, you wish you'd never asked. At last, Lara caught a glimpse of the speaker. Dull eyes in a wasted face, near the base of one of the great trees. A girl, no more than her own age, curled tightly around herself and nearly entirely shielded from view by the brush. Lara took a few steps nearer, but the girl stiffened in terror and drew further away. Don't! she shrieked. I'm sorry, Lara said. Do you have anything to eat? The girl laughed bitterly. Never again, she said. Never what? I asked for food once, like you. The ones who fed me forced my throat full of something vile. They made me sick, and then left me 
and I nearly died alone. The only way I survived... She rose, stepped out into the lesser light of earliest morning, and Lara could see the garments she wore falling around her, heavy with vomit. Lara cried out. I will never eat again, the girl shouted, lifting angry hands to the heavens. Her bones came sharp out of the flesh. But, Lara said weakly, aren't you? Aren't you hungry? The girl remained with her arms high, and suddenly the fierce set of her face crumbled, and she began to scream horribly. In the midst of her keening, Lara could discern one word only. Starving. I cannot help you. Lara said, empty herself, the grinding pain again making itself felt. Perhaps she ought to care more about this girl, but all she knew was her own hurt. I'm sorry. She twisted her hind's body and leapt away, and an alien sun began to rise. She did not recognize its light. She bounded to cover and knelt, changing, hooves slipping to talons, until on the full span of a hawk's wings she rose into the lightening sky. The land she saw was bleak and sparse, but she did not care. She wanted food. Someone must have food. Below, she saw a haggard group of companions with a dull substance in a bowl they had set before them, and she swooped down, desperate. Please, she called, have you any food? They pulled together at first, many hands grasping at the bowl, but... They seemed to check themselves with many reproving looks at the fellow next to them. Why, yes, one of them finally ventured, sounding sullen. Share and share alike, here. She rushed forward eagerly and plunged both fists into the bowl. She filled her mouth, half listening to another of them explaining how they had discovered the key to feeding all stomachs, the food they had made was new. A thousand generations of violence had not discovered it. Ignorance, prejudice, inherited hatreds, all these things had blinded the dryadic race. But in slow, sure evolution, the secret emerged. We are the only ones, said the speaker earnestly. We have within us all we need to make this food, to feed ourselves. We have had it all along. She swung thin arms out to include the others. Her mouth hurt. Why? What was she eating? 
It felt hard, wearing on her teeth, and the taste was awful. When she came to swallow, she found she could not. There was nothing to swallow. She looked up, confused, and saw a heavy gray substance in her hand, growing thinner swiftly until its solidity had turned to vapor, smoke after the promise of nourishment. The bowl overflowed with it. She dropped her empty hands in despair. This is not food. This is the true food, chanted the gathering, closing in around the bowl, elbowing each other out of the way. We need nothing but ourselves. One of their numbers stepped forward, taking the bowl and setting it beneath his body. Only ourselves, the others chanted. The man defecated. Oi, called a voice, a different man's, from the path. She turned a slow head to see his dark shape beckoning to her, urgency in its hands. He must have been seventy winters or more. The veins stood out against the dark backs of his wrists. Come, come away. She was no hawk, no hind. She walked on waking legs, but the ground was becoming too strong for her. Soon she would not be able to hold it off. She must get food. What did this man want? You shouldn't stay here, he said. Those people are dangerous. We only need ourselves, she repeated vaguely. What's that? Oh, Yes, they're always on about that sort of thing. Just like their fathers and their fathers before them. So on since the beginning. Goes in cycles. Either they're jabbering about this new victorious food or they're hacking at each other's throats. Not much time between. And it's been a while already since the last blood. I'd stay away. Listen, she said, facing him, pleading. I need food. Do you have any? Well, now, passion is a good thing, he said, smiling politely. There's always that. Do you have some? I'm starving, please, I need... Oh, I don't pretend to have the answers, he said with an infuriatingly mild chuckle. We all have to use some sort of language for it, don't we? I don't understand... Lara said, flat and sharp in her anger. Do you have food, or don't you? Do you know where I can find some? Oh, come, he said, stepping back slightly at her bite. No need to talk like that, my girl. These are very natural feelings, of course, but it's just our way. Why, our ancestors have been talking about feeling hungry for simply centuries. And, he said, with an air of delivering the irrevocable blow from all different corners of the world, too. So there must be food, Lara shouted, fevered with relief. The man appeared confused, condescending to gentle, laughing puzzlement. 
"'No, no, dear,' he said. "'You've got it all wrong. That's, "'That's exactly why there's not any food. "'The impulse to imagine hunger, to picture food, "'always different kinds of food, you'll notice. "'Well, it's all very natural, all very natural indeed. "'But one needn't take it too seriously. "'Though, of course,' he laughed tolerantly, "'there are always those who do.' "'I don't understand you,' Lara said again. "'I am hungry. I need food. "'Do you have food?' "'Well, you're young,' he said maddeningly. "'The young always do feel it keenly. "'I make no generalizations, of course, to each their own. "'But I should tell you, my dear,' he said, "'leaning in, his voice growing lower.' That food itself doesn't actually exist. Lara felt her body dizzy, whirling. She fought to think, to form a question, the right words to pierce through to the answer. If there is no food, she said at last, each word pronounced carefully, clearly. If there is no food, why am I hungry? Ah, well, said the man, his easy pace momentarily broken. Well, you see, this idea of hunger is an interesting one. I myself have dedicated much research to the idiosyncrasies of... What do you eat to stay alive? Lara interrupted. It had grown quite dark, and she felt weaker, too warm. I beg your pardon. His voice had altered. It was deeper, with a harsh note beneath. I said... What do you eat? You must have to eat something to stay alive, yes? What do you eat? Can I have some? That's going rather too far. He was snarling. She could no longer see his expression. These are private matters. I'll not be judged. Shove out. But I'm so hungry, she began. Then starve, he snapped. Just do it out of my sight. She ran in a sudden burst of fearful energy, sensing the movement toward her of something malevolent. She ran and kept running, and it seemed to her that many days passed in this fashion, running, the road beneath her branching often, but always keeping a single driving line straight for her to run. She cried out as she ran now, the pains coming sharper, and soon her stride slackened with weakness. She walked, she dragged, she knelt and crawled. As she went, she saw many more travellers, even spoke briefly with some. One woman, her lank hair graying, 
told of a great storehouse of food she had discovered in her youth, and how she refused even a single morsel, knowing that if she ate, she would need to eat again the next day. I'll not be beholden to anything nor any one, she shouted at Lara. Another traveller, long of jowl, with eyes like flecks of mica set deep in the bones of his face, told her that, yes, he had food, a single apple, stored neatly in his pack, but he couldn't spare any of it, as it was the subject of his scientific study. He had been given this apple long winters ago, and had taken only a single bite, but rather than finishing it, had immediately begun making lengthy notations on its appearance, odour, apparent effect on others, and so forth. Lara's anger beat up so fiercely in her then that she tried, with frail limbs, to throttle the man and take his pack, dig out the bit of wrapped and rotted fruit, and sink her shaking teeth into its soggy flesh. But they were both of them too weak to attack or defend, and they simply collapsed to the ground after throwing the first pathetic blows. The man pulled himself away from her and stood, walking wearily over the horizon, and Lara began a lone, thin scream. She had lost the use of her legs. The dream broke, slapping her face like wet branches, and she saw Jan kneeling by a fire, humming, stirring, before she fell into sleep again. She was still spread, exhausted on the ground, but a wind blew upon her, cold and clean, Deep falls rushed past her, oceans winked beyond. Then her vision darkened, her eyes grew black, the world faded. She supposed this must be death. Then she heard the voice. You may eat of me, Lara. She was a broken hind, a maimed eagle, a starving girl. Where are you? she whispered. Gravel bit at her palms, spread to brace her body where she bent over the earth. How unsteady her legs grew, cobwebs threading before a stiff wind. You must stand and jump, said the voice. I do not see you, she said, stubborn, afraid. You will. I won't jump until I see you. She could see neither the speaker nor her surroundings any longer. No dawn was coming. She knew it in her bones. Whirling past her were slick, feathery things, brushing her sides, knocking at her legs and elbows, looking to dislodge her. How much time had passed since Jan bent over that fire? 
Was she dead already, or dreaming? Or did it matter? She ached with hunger. She chattered with it. Stand and jump? She could not stand. If she stood, if she tried to leap anywhere, she would fall. Without sight, she felt the withdrawing air of a great space tumbling away before her. She would fall. She would not move. I won't, she said. Can you afford to stay? said the voice, further now, and she thought she heard sorrow in it. Come, jump to me. You are hungry. Let me feed you. She shouted at the voice then, enraged. Didn't she know it, in her pain, that she was hungry? And would it mock her for it? She could not stand, and she would not jump, not for a voice with no body she could see. The dream changed when she clenched her teeth on this decision. She could see now, but she had gone elsewhere. Slate, rain, and sand around her, her single woman's figure the only form for horizons upon horizons. And the hunger remained. She began to crawl. The change, the long creeping on forearms and knees, the grey skies, the cursed hunger beat down upon her. She had nothing within her able to mark the passage of time. Misery took all. Her eyelids flickered, and again she saw Jan, now kneeling neatly beside a fire in a place unfamiliar to her, a place she knew she had never been. A beautiful woman with flashing eyes and fiery hair momentarily passed into her view. The dream wavered. She felt on her cheek the touch of a hand, heard a man's voice, low and gentle, speaking the words, Come now, sister. You are safe here. I have you. You need not fear, little one. She did not recognize the voice, nor the kind eyes she could make out for a moment hovering close to her face. But she could not waken. The fear rose again, and the hunger and the winds buffeted her, and she fell once again into the dream.
she had stumbled and fallen from the plain, stumbled over a hewn rock nearly the length of her torso, familiar, somehow, as though she had known it in a story once. She had fallen among vestigial wings, cloven hooves, and hair like a hawk's feathers after rain. In her bowels, the clench and furl of pain owned her completely. She mumbled words, food, starving, please. Faintly, she smelled cool salt, heard a single, pure gull's cry. She knelt in sand like fine cream. Above and behind her, the dunes down which she had fallen belled up to a faint thread of grey that marked the end of those terrible plains. This is the young one, I think, said a voice, but not to her. She looked up. We must carry her to the table, came a distant reply. She thought the voice sounded familiar, that low, warm, male voice she had heard, speaking the name Sister to her. She has carried her own weakness a long time. She has come to us weary. To Lara, the sensation of lifting barely registered over the pain. The arms in which she lay felt steady, and she caught the sweet scent of a human form, masculine and heady. The mumblings still came from her mouth. She wondered whether she were angry, desperate, or despairing. Wings and hooves fell back from her like a shed gown, and it seemed to her that she was finally clothed in the flesh of her waking life. The Table A Driftwood Grace Smooth with surf, cupped by the dunes. Summer surrounded it. It held deep cheeses, the fresh cheeks of fruit, loaves of whole bread, and good wine. Lara lifted up her voice and wept, and she spilled out of the arms which held her so that she might scramble the final steps to its edge, where she ate as she stood, arrested half-bent into a chair, too taken with the ecstasy of slaking, to sit fully. What is this? she asked when she was spent. This is the god, said the man's voice. Its gentleness curled around her, welcome as the longed-for food. But the sea waters she saw were rising. She sat weakly back in her chair, realizing in the wake of her hunger that no pain remained. She looked around her, at the waters pooling at her feet, 
but she could not see who spoke. I am not his, she said, as though addressing the rising water. Why should he feed me? No answer came to her. At last she rose, discomfited, and began to walk away from the table, drawing her legs through the smooth, clear water, her feet unshod and long against the golden sand beneath. When she heard the first voice next, it sounded distant again, as though calling to someone across the ocean, its face turned away from her. Those who are hungry, come and eat, it said. You with no money, come, buy and eat. She saw that other shadows also approached the table over the dunes, and she knelt in the water, afraid in her hunger to have eaten all it held. These others would turn to her in fury and demand. But they did not see her. Then she saw the table's flagons and platters untouched, brimful, and she knew that even the worst depths of her hunger had not diminished its store by a grain. She looked down into the rising waters and thought she saw a countenance not her own reflected there, though she knew no one stood beside her. The waters rose further. She glanced up once more at the table, touched her lips, and asked again, I am not his. Why should he feed me? The man's voice spoke, as though with a smile. And this is the law of that love, to the hungry, nourishment, to the soul, companionship, to the anguished, serenity, for the God is abundance, and in him is no lack. Over her shoulder, the relief of the table stood against the sky on that long shore. The wind whisked at her eyes. I am not his, she thought firmly, and turned, and began again to walk down the strand. The Flower of the Cedar is written, produced, and published by me, Kay Ben-Avraham. This content is made possible by the support of my patrons on Patreon. We make monthly pledges they can increase, decrease, or cancel at any time. If you are enjoying listening, please consider supporting my work on Patreon. Even a dollar a month makes a great difference to a struggling author. For those of you wishing to support this work in non-monetary fashion, you can tell a friend about the podcast or leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help ratings rise so that other people can find it. Thank you 
so much.